Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl and oh, welcome, welcome, welcome one and all on the journey to true cage nirvana. That is episode 13 of Cage Rage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. How are you? It's always good to hear from you. I miss you. Stay in touch, you silly goose. Um, I've, I've been well. Good week. Good week. Lovely week. It's been it's been a uh, pretty chilled, pretty relaxed, um, minimal, minimal Ian, which has been a delight. He um, took the bin out for me. What was he up to? We don't know. How can we ever possibly know? Is he is he trying to sleep with my wife? Because I wouldn't put it past him. Um, I think as well. I think, you know, I've been looking for that dirt on him for a while. That tangible evidence of a, a reason to just go in on this motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I think this week, I think we got it. Now, before we get into that, I've got to, I've got to dangle it. I've got to dangle it. You know, I can't go straight in. That's not what we're all about here. Um, he's very happy that Lee's been promoted. You know, I'm just downstairs watching TV, minding my own business, then suddenly you just hear, Oh! Oh! Come on! Leeds! And it was harrowing. He runs out with his little white feet, slapping on his decking, clapping around, screaming like an ape. Like an ape that's just aggressively raw-dogged the other ape in its cage. I didn't care for it. Did not care for it at all. My cat was spooked. Don't need that. You don't need that. You're sure, you know, if you like football. And that and that's your vice. That's what you're into. More power to you. Not for me. I prefer to have a bit of wrestling in my life. You know, kick that ball, make that money. Or oil up, pants on, wear a little cape and slam some dudes. I know which one I prefer. Now, going into the tangible evidence. Now, on my road where I live, um, parking isn't readily available. You can't just reserve it. You don't have some kind of a license or certificate or whatever you want to call it to say that you can park there. No free pass. It's a quote-unquote public road, so you don't have the right to do just whatever you want. And um, it unfortunately means that he has to park on that road as well. But there's, just on the main road, there is a, a Chinese couple who run an orthopedic business. They usually park a car there. And now this occasion, they had two cars there. Because I believe um, the lady who runs the business, her sister was there. So Ian, he's a bit of a, a bit of a militant guy when it comes to policing who parks here, who parks there. He's popped around and he said, I know what cars are going on. Whose car is this? And she says, it's my sister's car. And he says, well, is your sister going to move it? And she says, well, she's in the sex shower. Ian says, how long is she going to be? She says, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Well, is she going to move it in 10, 15 minutes? And he says, yes, you know, just trying to get Ian off the back. So he comes back round. I'm assuming that he was wearing shoes at this point. And then the bloke, the bloody fella comes marching down. He says, you've been shouting at my wife. I'm not having that. That's not on. And this is where we get into the into the nitty and indeed the gritty, right? Because the guy says to him, well, how long have you been here? And Ian says, 23 years. And this is when he said to me, now, he didn't, unfortunately, didn't say it out loud, for better or worse, but he was like, well, I was going to say that to him. 
how long have you been here? But in that way that you know he was he was making it a race thing and not residents living on the street kind of thing. And you know what? In that moment I knew that whole good neighbour act, oh, where the balls came crumbling down, and I thought to myself, oh, oh, oh you fucking cock, we got you. We fucking got you. So now, all of my absolutely unwarranted rage is completely warranted. You know, and, and you can't see it. I hope you can hear it in my voice, but I'm smiling right now. Because I get to ride this high horse, this moral high horse, and ride off into the sunset like the gun-toting good guy I am. Pat me on the back. Pat me on the fucking back, I dare you. And on that wave of momentum, we come to this week's Cage Classic, the 1990 action film. That's right, action film. Fire Birds. Oh, it's uh, now this one's available on YouTube. You can find it and watch it in all its glory. It's a Nicolas Cage film. Of course you want to. Um, now let's get into a bit of the a bit of the deets on this absolute production. It was in fact a co-production between Walt Disney Studios' Touchstone Pictures label and Nova International Films, released in 1990. And this is what I've said before. I'll say it before. I'll say it again. Walt Disney, the Rhinop Cage, the one him on the books, need him on the books. Because at that point, there's only so much you can do with the mouse. Fuck that mouse. Let's get the cage dog in. Let's get the cage dog and see him fuck Minnie Mouse. That's the content I want, and I think you do too. Originally, this film was released internationally under the name Wings of the Apache, and stars, of course, Nicolas Cage as a helicopter pilot. Now, the uh, the film will remind us frequently that he is basically the world's greatest helicopter pilot for no other reason than because five men wrote this film. And Nicolas Cage as a helicopter pilot is attempted to help in an effort to stop a drug cartel with none other than Tommy Lee Jones as his pilot instructor. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, you may remember him from Men in Black, basically playing the same role, but this time he's in the air. Released on May 25th, 1990, it grossed a respectable $14.7 million in domestic ticket receipts, although was met with largely negative reviews by fucking losers who know nothing about the sanctity of a Nicolas Cage film because it was apparently a bit similar to some other aircraft action film called Top Gun. Well, you so-called critics, you name me one other person who's ever heard of Top Gun. Top Gun? More like bottom bump fart 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 Tom Cruise more like Tom f- fucking loser am I right yeah you f- fucking know I am the story was crafted by retired lieutenant colonels Step Tyner and John K Swenson uh, t- both of which his names I refuse to believe are real as well as retired marine captain Dale Dye don't believe that one's real either and it was then developed into a screenplay by Nick Thiel and Paul F. Edwards. That's right, folks, it took five grown men to team up to bring Nicolas Cage to the big screen. So quick math for you, that means Nick Cage is at least equal to, or more powerful than, five human men. And I will fight anyone who tells me I'm talking shit. So let's get into the meat of Firebirds right here. We kick off right off the bat with four 
absolutely majestic choppers flying in from the sun. Military? I hardly know her. What I do know is that Nicolas Cage is most definitely flying on one of those aerial hogcopters. There's even this proud, um, and you, you sort of know the music, this proud military American music just pumping out. And it makes you feel like you are in the American forces. Now we're not even three minutes in, and I'm already popping a sweet US Ranger. I look down, and it's saluting the flag. That's just the kind of film this is. So it starts with Cage retelling his um, fourth team mission to... I don't know, some chodes in suits, they're not important. Uh, But the most important detail here, despite all of this exposition, the most important detail is that his pilot code name is Snake 2. (laughs) Incredible, right? Snake 2. I like to think that there was at some point a Snake 1, but Cage came in and he said, nah, mate, look, I want to be Snake. And Snake 1 was just like, fair play, mate. I don't want any trouble here. So Snake 1 changed their name to Dumbship 5. Uh, I would henceforth like my code name to be Big Boy 69 xoxo What's your code name when you're flying with Cage to take down drug cartels? Let me know on the usual social media. That is at CageRagePod on Instagram, at Cage underscore podcast on Twitter, uh, on the YouTube channel as well, Cage Rage Podcast, and... Just because uh, Kofi.com forward slash Daryl Edge, K O F I dot com forward slash D A R R Y L E D G E. If you feel like you're entertained by this and want to chuck a pound coin to your boy. <sighs> now, in the meantime, while all this is going on, uh, Cage is just telling the tale of one of his loser pilot team who can't hold a candle to the man himself. They all got shot down. An absolute disgrace to the name Snake 2. There was some um, unknown enemy pilot who did all the sky murders. Um, Again, in the same way as Cage's character, Preston, they keep telling us that he's the star pilot, the best pilot ever. This person is also the best enemy pilot in the world, just for no other reason. No other developed reason than the film tells us that he is. I'll be honest, this is a, a very simplistic, basic film. It's a very much a popcorn film. You just watch it mindlessly. You don't don't expect big things from it because, dare I say, eighty five percent of this film is just some forms of training montages and one-dimensional characters trying to say as many quote-unquote cool things as they can because five men wrote this film. Um, It is what it is. It's fine. It's fine. But just don't have too many big expectations about it. Um, But going back to the enemy pilot who did the um, aerial bang-bangs, for simplicity's sake, because he's never named, um, let's call him Ian the Skycuck. So I will add that so far. Um, Cage has just delivered all of his lines in this very, I don't know, melancholic, monotonous way. Maybe it's because all of his mates died, but I prefer to believe that he knows he's the best thing about this film, and so he doesn't even need to bother acting. You know, gotta gotta save that energy to better things, like raw dogging, you know. Uh, but that aside, Thomas Leonard Jones 
old Tommy Lee Jones himself turns up as pilot instructor Brad Little because there's some new Apache choppers that they get to fly he needs to tell him the ropes and he's quickly told to keep an eye on Cage's character old pilot Chink Preston. Now the question here um, is anyone even surprised? I'm not surprised. He didn't even need to tell me that uh, Nick Cage was the best pilot, and I'm like, you just know. Like an instinctual thing, you know? It's in your DNA. So they do a little test flight together, and Cage is um, he's busting out all sort of flips, all sort of twists, while chewing gum. He's not even bothered. He's not bothered at all. And it's easy to understand how classic video games like Star Fox were based on the flying aptitude and big swinging dicked skills of a man like Nicolas Cage. In this episode, there's going to be a fair few quick quips that I want to, <laughs> that I want to sort of relay back to you as well, because even out of context, they're all fantastic. There's, there's a lot of good quotes in this film, and they'll get better as they go along. But the first I want to play, and this one's only about 14 minutes into the film, is just a quick quote of two guys... Being dudes, bonding over basically inserting their dicks into a chopper. Sir? Yeah, that was totally cool. I'd marry that thing. You good a pilot, they say you are, I'll give away the bride. Buzzer! Just like it's no big deal, just marry that chopper. And to be honest, that's. That is pretty much a lot of their <laughs> a lot of their characterization. Like I said, really one dimensional, but the whole point is that they're just two dudes who fucking love helicopters, man. And I'm not gonna get in the way of that. If that's your thing, that's your thing, but there's nothing there's nothing else to them. They just love helicopters so much. And um uh, Nicolas Cage is completely too cool for this film. Tommy Lee Jones delivers all of his lines like that, just like a uh, Southern American guy just reeling stuff off, you know. Um, but soon after that, there's uh, another pilot uh, by the character named Billy Lee Guthrie. Uh, she turns up, and it's revealed a little bit later on that uh, Preston and Billy have a bit of a backstory, but Preston immediately asks her out for a drink. So he's the kind of guy, he's flying a hog at one, He's banging with the Hoggard too. Now that is truly a cage-tastic schedule. We move on about five minutes later, and we've got a few audio clips coming up here, but the first is, and this isn't really in the context of the film itself, but just in Nicolas Cage as a whole, this is the truest thing that Nick Cage has ever said. I am the greatest. Go, Jake, go! All right! Greatest. greatest actor of our generation that's absolutely right now contextually they're doing some aircraft simulation about the new apache and they're just scoring bullseyes left right and center but like i say not important he is the greatest so don't even worry about it but um fortunately that mantra continues and gets more and more cagey to the point where you can't help but laugh a little bit and it goes a little something like this I am the greatest 
you know what he is he is the greatest and this is what i've been telling you for 13 episodes now do you get it yet do you get it that he's the greatest actor of our generation and this all of these quotes come in about you know the space of a two minute scene and it is it's a lot to take in if you're not on the true cage train to you know true cage nirvana like i am if you're just going into this film you'll probably have an aneurysm and die but this is why I give it to you in these bite-sized clips, so you can just chop it in as well and take it bit by bit. Um, so there's one more clip, one more, <laughs> one more little sound clip from this uh, area here, and I like to dub this the first time you watch porn after getting your internet back. Shoot him, blast him, nab him, grab shake him, bang him, cook him, clean him, pose him, boil him, get him, nab him, twist him, run! Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If there's one thing I'm asking you to not do, that's worry about it. Don't do it. Um, so moving on, uh, Preston meets Billy in a laundromat. You know he tries to kiss her. Um, because that's just that's the kind of forward-moving, fast-thinking guy that he is. We learn that there used to be an item... But Billy broke it off so she could pursue her own dreams in the Air Force. And now Preston wants to raw dog her once again. The message there is don't dwell on the past when the hog is now. He later tries to dance with her at a nightclub. There's some of the jerk in this uh, leather vest and check and shirt who isn't impressed. So you know that Nick Cage one bombs that fool and knocks him clean out. Now, even though Billy isn't impressed with that, I definitely am. Because if Cage fought for me like that, I'd never look at another man again. Preston then spends about ten actual minutes flirting with Billy on some kind of chopper practice. Another training bit. It's one of many that this film commits to. Um, Because this film is nothing if not showing that he is fiercely committed to that lady, for better or worse. Then the next day... Preston and Little have a boxing sparring match together. Preston gives him an absolute solid whacking. He wakes up. Little wakes up the next morning. He's sore. He's keeled over. But because of that, he gets an absolute sympathy raw dog with his own wife. Now that is what I call the cage effect. Because less than 24 hours after you encounter that man... You will bang. It's that simple. It's basic fucking science. So next comes, you guessed it, another test flight where it's revealed that Preston suffers from um, ocular dominance, left eye dominance. So it's kind of um, one eye focuses a bit more than the other one. And that's literally... It, this is actually the main obstacle that Nicolas Cage has to overcome in this film. Billy hears about it and tells Preston uh, not to worry about it because what's happened during that uh, the flying scenario with Little and Preston 
The eye dominance comes to the fore. He can't quite get to grips with all the newfangled technical controls and the interfaces in the Apache. So little has to take over and he cancels the training session. So Billy hears about it. She says, don't worry about it. It's a bit like sex. No one gets it right the first time, except for Nicholas Cage, who has never had a bad experience with his outstanding hog. So off the back of this, we get yet more training with Instructor Little making Preston. And this was... This scene, right, was another training montage. But it was a training montage so that Nick Cage could do some training later and overcome the previous bad training earlier. Are you you keeping up? Does that make sense to you? So to overcome his eye dominance... Instructor Little makes Preston drive a jeep around an airbase with red pants on his head and a DIY telescope attached so that he can overcome this um, disability. Genuinely, he has what is effectively a made-at-home gimp mask with a steampunk eyeglass tube um, so that he can see the chopper when he's flying it it's really odd really odd um because you know this scenario any normal human being probably would have been recommended to go to an optician's at the very least and just get some glasses specially made for your particular vision not nicholas cage though because he's never been one to take the coward's way out and neither should you so the other moral of this film is if you're having a bad day put some fresh undies over your face effectively blinding yourself but then throw yourself into a training montage and there's nothing you can't do but needless to say he passes with flying colours get it? huh? flying? because helicopters I'm wasted on this podcast you motherfucks now perhaps more importantly uh, now he's overcome the training scenario, is that Preston goes to Billy, tells him, tells her that he's nailed it. Billy decides to help Preston celebrate the good news. They go for a drive in a sweet red sports car to a delightful villa up in the hills. And needless to say, Preston finally plants a kiss on Billy, who has soon 180'd on her anti-cage stance. To be fair, we all do it in the end. And... As Do You Remember by Phil Collins plays. Because of course it's Phil fucking Collins. They, and I'm going to give you one guess as to what happens next, okay? So just take a moment. Think about the options. No real rush. But do they... Do they A. Have a lovely meal? B. Discuss Nick Cage's prolific career? C. Raw dog? D. Call Ian a cook? Take a moment. Take your time. There's no rush. There's a lot of money riding on this question is that it that is your final answer do you want to lock it in 
Alright, you've gone for C, War Dog. I'm gonna lock that in. You did it, that was right. The answer was indeed C, Raw Dog. Well bloody done to you. You got it right. I always had faith in you. And congratulations, you just won a million pounds of Nick Cage dollar dollar bills, y'all. Redeemable to one compliment about your hogging skills. Drink it in, my friend. Drink it motherfucking in. And as an extra reward for you, I'll give you... Perhaps the cheesiest and one of the best quotes of the film. This is a quote I always say before committing to lovemaking. And after you hear it, I guarantee you, the listeners at home, that if you try it too, it'll go down the fucking tree. You thank me later. All right, it's I now. Breaker. Yep. You like history? No. You better start liking it because we're about to make it. <laughs> Bring them on. Need I say any more? But with that said... They, of course, pass yet even more training drills. So far, this film has been pretty much one whole actual human hour of just helicopter training and Nick Cage just living for helicopters while fixing his eye problem with a gimp mask. And that's the best thing about Nicolas Cage films, is, is that me saying that, it's not an exaggeration. It's just a description of the acting talents and methods of the greatest actor of our generation. What else at this stage, 13 episodes in, do you want me to say? You know? Um, but now they, and now it's the time they need to go and go to the big battle, finally, with 20 minutes of this film remaining. But prior to taking on Ian, the flying cook, Preston and Little, they jerk each other off a bit with some various aerial-based compliments, but then the base is suddenly attacked by the cook. Explosions go off all over the place, even though, visually speaking, there's actually nothing that could have caused them to happen other than five guys in a writer's room eating each other's arseholes in a human centipede formation because they're writing an action film. But there you go, late 80s, early 90s, it was a simpler time, you know? So suddenly, they're all in the air, they're engaging Ian the Flying Cook, and the cook targets Billy, while Preston remains, how best to describe this, homicidally calm, coming out with the next greatest quote of this film. You're not touching her, you filthy piece of shit. No word of a lie, if you are not rock hard... After hearing that, you're not human. So, after a tense cockfight of two airborne lads swinging the dicks, Cage, of course, comes out on top, and he blows Ian up with a sick missile barrage. You get Preston and Billy embracing at the end, and then Little gets um oh yeah at some point he got shot down um (laughs) don't worry about it but then as he's getting stretched away he comes out with this absolute fucking gem oh Oh, christ where's the meat wagon just up the hill sir don't drop no sir oh christ 
You drop me, it'll be the end of life as you've come to know it in the US Army Trooper. Sir! Just outstanding the whole way through. Uh, what else can I say to convince you of that at this point? So he gets airlifted out and calls Nick Cage a first-class American, if you didn't already know that, as Preston and Billy take a chopper back to the base with yet another Phil Collins song, Find a Way to My Heart, no doubt to go up and raw dog in the sky the truly most American way to hog as the film comes to an end. Like I say, this film, it's it, it's fine. It's fine. I'd probably give it a, a 6 out of 10, 5.5, 6 out of 10 of Bronze Cage. Obviously, it's a Nick Cage film. 10 out of 10. Um, but to say that it doesn't have much of a plot is maybe being a bit generous. I don't really know what the plot actually was. I think it was very loosely, we've got a drug cartel to take out. Nicolas Cage, you're a good chopper pilot. Do you want to go and do that? And then they spend, again, no exaggeration, an hour of the film in training and training montages before the final 15, 20 minutes of the film are the big climactic aerial battle between Nick Cage, the best American chopper pilot in the world, versus the South American cook of the sky, allegedly their best chopper pilot. That is basically it. It's um, it's a mindless film, it's a stupid film, but it's one of those you can just watch um, and just be completely gormless for all of it. It's remarkable in its own way. Um, just a lot of one-dimensional characters who aren't fleshed out, who are either trying to make cool quips or getting fucking rages for helicopters. Um, it's 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 wonderful and also tame at the same time. Um, is it a good film? Uh, probably not, but it only just about can be comprehended in your mind because the story itself is so fucking basic. Um, it could have been about half an hour shorter. Um, it could have had some semblance of character or plot. Nicolas Cage is angry and doesn't kick at one point. Um, it's, but this is what happens when you get three military bros who <laughs> come up with a film and then it takes five of them to write it. It's, it's, it's fine. Like I say, it's your stereotypical popcorn flick don't go into it expecting anything and you'll come out completely unchanged but all the better it's fine you can find it on youtube watch it for the one-liners stick around for the cage and you'll you'll have some kind of a time um but it was fine it was in its own way one of the more enjoyable cage films that i've watched so far um so just you know take it with a pinch of salt and you'll you'll you might like it but there we have it um, we come to the end of unlucky for some but not for us me you and nick cage episode 13 of cage rage a nicholas cage podcast as ever you can find us on the usual social medias at cage underscore podcast on twitter at cage rage pod on instagram if you've enjoyed this show in any way shape or form you can support it a little a lot at ko-fi.com forward slash jaron edge You'll find some of the old episodes up on YouTube. And please do consider supporting us on, I say us, me, on Spotify. Um, give it a follow if you can 
rate it or share it around, that would be delightful as well. So thank you as ever for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. Uh, bye.